Okay. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing the barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits, and he went over to lie down in the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, he said. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian, redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I am. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants you to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, No one must know that a woman has been to the threshing floor. So he also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing, and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley, and placed the bundle on her. And then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and asked, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, Let's keep uh, Ruth chapter 3 open. Please do. Uh, please don't shut your Bibles, but keep it there to 169. Uh, the number is in uh, the church Bibles. Let me just do a little recap of Ruth. I'm sure by now, hopefully with the children's talks and in the talks every Sunday morning, you've got a good idea of what's going on uh, in Ruth. Remember Ruth chapter 1. If I had to put a title to Ruth at chapter 1, it would be God's great faithfulness to a people who reject in him. Uh, sorry, who reject him. And I think we see that in two ways in Ruth chapter 1. We see God being faithful to his covenant in two ways. One in his covenant curses. We see Elimelech and the two sons. We see that death comes to them. And we know what a covenant curse looks like. It ends in death. And we also see God being faithful in his covenant promises. There is hope. Right at the end of chapter 1, because it's barley time in Bethlehem, finally. And so Ruth, hanging on to Naomi, they head back to God's land, to Bethlehem, to the place of bread. God's great faithfulness to a people who reject him, chapter 1. Chapter 2, we saw last week, God's great kindness reflected in the obedience of his people. 
We saw Naomi sending Ruth down to the fields, and she gleans in the fields of Boaz. And we see, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, Boaz is a good man. He's a good guy. And Naomi says, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi said to Ruth, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer, the one who can buy back the land, the one in whom Naomi and Ruth can have hope and a future. See, the reason why Boaz can buy back the land is probably Elimelech, as he is headed off to Moab. He's sold his land, and with the money, he's taken his family away. And so now... Naomi, the widow, uh, and Ruth, the widow too. Uh, They come back, and a widow in that time is very vulnerable. Two widows together. But they had a plot of land. And so the law, a Levitical law, uh, if a man dies childless, then a relative takes on the land and also looks after the widow. So there is hope, because Ruth and Naomi know that Boaz is a relative. And he could be uh, the redeemer. He could be uh, the man who buys back the land. And in so doing, buys back Ruth and Naomi. But we get to the end of chapter 2. And Boaz has not made his move. Nothing has happened. Chapter 2, verse 23. Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And so that's where we pick up the story today. And nothing's moved any further. The harvest has been complete. And Naomi and Ruth have hopefully had food. Uh, But what next? What next? All this hope, all this promise, uh, all this coming back from Moab uh, to Israel, to Bethlehem, the place of bread. All this promise, nothing. Not yet. Until we dive into chapter 3. And I've called uh, chapter 3, God's great purpose worked out through the obedience of his people. And we're going to look at at three points, and we're going to try and do this in three different levels, because this is what I try and do when I read Old Testament narrative. It's ever so simple, and I'm sure you've got your own way and methods of doing it. But this is what I try and do, and and indeed this is what I try and help young people do uh, within my job. When we read Old Old Testament narratives, I think there are three levels that we should read it on. And first is the so. What's it actually saying? What is the Bible actually saying. And so the first level is, is so. Uh, the second level is then so what? Uh, this is a, a, a grander level. It's the bigger picture. It is, what is God doing in this story? So we're going to ask the so what question uh, at every point. And then level three, so what for me? Story of Ruth, a random little book in the Old Testament. So what for me now living in Oxford? So what? And so here are our three points. And the three points happen to be three scenes, which actually take place in three bedrooms. Now, I doubt you'll ever hear another sermon that talks about three bedrooms. Activity going on actually in three bedrooms. But we're going to take the plunge, and we're going to go for it, and we're going to try and understand the story in Ruth in... The levels, the three levels we're going for in three different bedrooms. So here's our first point, and it's uh, the plan. 
his, uh, the plan in obedience. Naomi to Ruth. Get ready. Wash. Anoint yourself. Get ready to go out. Why? Because Boaz is winnowing barley at the threshing floor. This is it. The harvest is finished. All the grain is in the barn. Now he's sorting out the wheat from the chaff. He'll be working late. This is his job. This is his role. So wait till he's finished. When he finishes, he'll eat. He'll drink. uh, And then go and lie down at his feet. Pick up the corner uh, of his garment and put it over you. And Ruth's response in verse 5 is, I will do whatever you say. And I think there are two ways that we could read this plan. Here on level one, what is it actually saying? I think there are two ways we can read this plan. Because I'm not quite sure what Naomi has got in mind. And commentators are divided across the board. What does Naomi really have in mind? Is Naomi trusting in God's promise to provide, but it means taking a huge risk? Does Naomi trust in God's law, which says God's people should reflect God's character? And Boaz, to be fair, up to now, he's seemed a pretty decent guy. He's shone like a pretty bright star in a dark, dark time, in a dark, dark place. Is Naomi trusting in God's bigger plan and saying, Ruth, now's our time. We're going to take a risk. But we're going to trust in God as we do it. I think you could read it that way, certainly. But I think possibly you could read it another way. Because first reading looks as though Naomi might have gone slightly mad. What is she asking Ruth to actually go and do? Night, uh, when Boaz is uh, merry, means he's just eaten well and drunk well. Um, we handed Peter a, a bottle of wine. I'm sure Peter's going to be sensible with that wine, but it's, it's like, similar with Boaz. He will drink and he will eat uh, and he'll be satisfied with his day. But it's a dark place down by the threshing floors. And there's lots of other men around. Uh, and what is Naomi actually asking Ruth to do? Lie by his feet? And pour over the, pull over the garment over you so that uh, you're right next to him? What's Naomi's plan? Well, the Hebrew apparently, not that I read Hebrew, not a scholar in Hebrew, but the Hebrew actually paints more emphasis that this plan is of a sexual nature. Is Naomi now taking the way of Elimelech, moving away from Israel, setting up home in a foreign land, thus going against what the Lord asks? Is she? Is she hatching a selfish plan that only looks after her own interests? A a way of trapping Boaz into the family. A way of looking after Naomi and Ruth in the future. I think it's the first, but I'm not too sure. And I don't think any of us can be too certain that Naomi's plan is good, is a God-fearing plan, is a wholesome plan. I know it's a contentious point, and I know people will disagree over this, but I'm just not certain we can have confidence to go either way. 
Let me try and work it through in life. We have choices and decisions every single day. I know that some of my choices and decisions are really sinful and are really selfish. But I know that some of my choices are borderline. I have a good outcome, but my way of getting there is borderline. Um, let me explain. I really want to go to the gym tonight. Uh, and I know that going to the gym will be really good for me physically. It will be. And uh, I know that it will put me in a really good frame of mind, in a really good mood. Yet, it's the third evening that I've not been around to help Kerry bath Cora and feed Cora and put Cora to bed. You see, my outcome might be a good one. I'll be physically fit if I go to the gym uh, and uh, I'll be in a good mood for the rest of the night. Uh, But I just don't know if it is selfish. Is it selfish, me going to the gym? And some of you mothers are going, yeah, that's definitely selfish. Some of you guys are going, "Mm, I'm not sure, that's kind of borderline. So I think we can look at Naomi's story in light of this, Naomi's plan in light of this. I just cannot read Naomi like you cannot read me. You can't. Me going to the gym that night might be a really good thing to do. The outcome is good, and it might be really good for me to go, or it might not. But only I know if it is a selfish plan. Naomi's plan for Ruth, it's got good outcomes. I can't deny that. She's got good outcomes in mind. But is it a good plan? That's the so level. What about the so what level? And this is where God, through Ruth, is speaking. And God, I'm sure, is shouting through these words, my providential plan reigns supreme over the plans of the people that I have created. And I'm sure God is screaming through these words, you can plan and you will make good plans and you will make bad plans. And sometimes the outcome will be really good, but the way that you get there is quite selfish. It's sinful. But I'm sovereign overall. I rule. I'm in charge. But my sovereignty, my providential plan, it it never undermines human responsibility. So don't just say, hey, God's in charge, God's sovereign, and I can do whatever I want and plan whatever I like. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Know that I am sovereign. I've got providential plans. They will reign. Plan accordingly. Do your best to make good plans. This is level three now for us. So what for me? We've done the so, we've done the so what, God, and we've now, we're now looking at the so what for me. I know I have choices. I have plans to make every single day. Some small, some big. They all matter. And only I know if my plans are selfish or if they're sinful. And so my question to you, my question to me, will I plan in light of God's word? Will my plan be a plan of obedience? The big plans in my house move, my career path, who I marry. In the small everyday plans, what what will I do in my leisure time? Will I watch the footy this evening? Spend time with friends? Will I plan in light of God's promises? Will I plan in light of being obedient to him? 
Will you plan in obedience? There's the first scene. And it all happens, I think, in Ruth's bedroom. Because she's frantically getting ready. I don't know how long this was. Um, I'm guessing this could have been a while. Um, if I can base this uh, on my other two sisters, getting ready to go out for a big night. This could have been a long while. And so Naomi would have had a lot to say uh, to Ruth. But go, go. And Ruth goes, whatever you do, whatever you say, I will do. And so here's our second scene. uh, And it's in the bedroom of Boaz. Now, it's not his normal bedroom. It's down by the threshing floor. Uh, And what is Ruth uh, actually doing here? Uh, I'm certain that Ruth is taking risks in obedience. Here's a level one story. Go down as she goes. It is fraught with risk. This plan is fraught with risk. What if the workers find Ruth looking like she does? She looks good. She's anointed herself with perfume. She's put on her best dress. What if the workers find her? Will they take advantage of her? What if they accuse Ruth of throwing herself at Boaz like a prostitute? That's bound to bring a bad name on the family. What if Boaz takes advantage of Ruth? You see, Ruth goes to the threshing floor, and it's a huge risk. But she says to Naomi, what you say, I will do. She is totally obedient, except in one way. And this, I think, is really interesting. You see, the command of Naomi to Ruth in verse 4, reads this, When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And so, verse 8, in the middle of the night, something startles Boaz. He turns, and there's a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. Can you imagine the scene? Boaz in the threshing floor? Who are you? What are you doing here? Ruth's reply, verse 9. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. She's done everything Naomi has asked of her up to this point. But then she goes one step further. Because Naomi tells Ruth, listen, you wait and do whatever he says. Which is why maybe the plan could be uh, not a godly plan, not a good plan. But Ruth takes... A positive step. Uh, She jumps in and says, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. See what Ruth is asking. Ruth does not wait for Boaz to tell her what to do. She tells Boaz what to do based on two things. One, she tells Boaz what to do based upon God's word. In Leviticus 25, verse 25, it reads this. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor, sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. So Ruth is stepping out boldly in God's word. This is what it says in the Levitical law. Will you buy our land back? And secondly, she's asking Boaz based on his kindness. Leviticus 25, verse 35. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor, are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger. Boaz has shown great kindness to Ruth. Great kindness. He's told his servants to pull out 
sheaves of wheat, to lay them on the ground for Ruth. It's so kind. You see what Ruth is asking? Boaz, you told me before to take refuge underneath the wing of the Lord. You trust and follow the Lord. So I am asking you, will you be the wing in which I take refuge under? You see what Ruth is doing? She's saying pretty much with hands held high, I have nothing. 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 So (laughs) I'm obediently taking a risk that you will do everything for me. I have nothing, but you can do everything for me. Protect me, I'm yours. Redeem us, buy us back. Accept me into your people. Marry me. The covering of the corner of a garment is a Jewish symbol of marriage. Do this for me and you're saying you'll marry me. I have nothing, but you have everything to give. Please, do this. And by the way, I have a mother-in-law too. If you take me, you take her. And I remember when I was starting out, um, as a young lad trying to preach, uh, we were told some do's and don'ts, and a big don't was never make a gag about your mother-in-law. But it just seems that this could be the time to do it. (laughs) The only time which would be quite right. You see what Boaz is actually doing. He's taking on so, so much. So much. I spent yesterday with my mother-in-law. It was a good day. Boaz is taking on so much. And so let's delve into the so what question of level two. You see what we should see of God through Ruth chapter two. God's kindness is reflected in the kindness of Ruth. Boaz turns to Ruth. And he says in verse, verse 11, Now my daughter, don't be afraid. Or verse 10, sorry. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the young men, whether rich or poor. Now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. See, on level two, God's kindness is reflected in the kindness of Ruth. Boaz knows that Ruth, in her obedience in looking after Naomi, seeking him out as the kinsman redeemer, and not another man, we're to look at God at that moment. Say, God, you are kind. You are kind. And we see God's generosity reflected in Boaz. Boaz promises to take in the destitute. He promises to take in the enemy at great cost. We know God takes back those who have rejected him. Those who are enemies of him. So what for me, level three? So what? Well, it has to start here. Doesn't it have to start where Boaz is so generous at taking Ruth, so generous in accepting an enemy? What does God do for me? Ephesians 2, I'm described as an enemy of God. Romans 5, verse 8. 
while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Ruth, I have nothing. Nothing. You have everything. So what for me? Will I daily lift my hands up and say, Lord, hands up. I have nothing. You have everything. I'm so poor in following you. I try. I get it wrong. But I know that in your goodness and in your generosity, you can redeem. You can buy back. You can and will accept me as yours. Starts there. Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, this is what it looks like. Deny self if you want to follow me. Deny self. I have nothing. Deny self in the everyday, on the football pitch, in the classroom, walk to school, in the canteen, at work, in the supermarket, with friends who don't know Jesus. Deny self and then follow Jesus. Dare to be different. Take risks for the gospel. Dare to speak of Jesus to friends who don't yet know him. Remember a good friend of mine grabbed me and said, Lanky, make sure every day you do one thing that scares you in following Jesus. Every day do one thing that scares you. Take risks in obedience. What does that look like for you this week? Taking a risk as Ruth did. Maybe that means speaking out for Jesus this week. Maybe it means speaking out for Jesus with a friend who doesn't even know you're a Christian. Maybe it means speaking out for Jesus with a family friend or a member of a family who does know you're a Christian. It's hard to speak of him. I wonder what you'll do this week, every day this week, something that scares you. What does being risky in generosity look like? Maybe with your finances, maybe with your time commitments, maybe with your activity commitments in church or outside of church. What does it look like to be risky in generosity? Ruth takes a risk and Boaz takes a big risk too. And so scene three from verses 14 to 18, we've moved from Ruth's bedroom to Boaz's bedroom, and then we're back to Naomi's bedroom. And I think we can feasibly work this in, because it's still dark. And I think Naomi's still going to be in bed. And so, when Ruth runs back to Naomi and tells her all that has happened, you can imagine the scene in Naomi's bedroom. What's she waiting for? What's the news going to be? She might be in her bed, but doubt she'll be asleep. It's our future on the line. What does Ruth come back with? Verse 16, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Can you imagine that scene? What happened? How did it go? Tell me. Tell me everything. Tell me everything he said, everything he did. What did you do? You can imagine the scene. And so Naomi comes in. And she tells her everything. Sorry, Ruth comes in and tells Naomi everything that Boaz had done for her. And added, he gave me these six measures of barley. And so Ruth is running back and she enters the room. She spurts out everything that's happened with six measures of barley. That's about 22 litres of grain, which works out to be about eight big bottles of Coca-Cola. 
I don't know how Ruth did it. But I imagine Ruth running back with all of this grain. And she runs in and she's like, let me tell you everything. Yeah, tell me every single thing. Do you know what he said to me? After, Naomi, after Ruth had told Naomi everything. He said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And verse 18, Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. We're meant to be reminded of chapter 1, verse 21. When Naomi finishes that chapter saying, I went away, in verse 21, I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. And now we see that Naomi is totally full. Ian last week talked about every chapter being about, be, talked about being empty and then finished with being full. This chapter is exactly the same. She's totally full. And now she's suggesting to Ruth to wait, to trust, to trust in God. That's the so level. What about the so what level? Well, we see that here God is the provider. You see what God has done? We see God's great purpose is worked out through the obedience of his people. And most importantly, I think we see that God's people walked underneath God's word. If I'm going to be obedient, I must walk underneath God's word, with God's word above me, literally. Not in front of me, that it just becomes God's word. Not behind me, that it becomes about me. But underneath God's word, trusting in God's word. Naomi, perhaps a little faltering, perhaps, trusted God and walked underneath his word. She sent Ruth out into the field based upon the Levitical law. She sent Ruth to Boaz based on the Levitical law of the kinsman redeemer. You see, Ruth trusted in Naomi's God. Ruth clung to her and her God. But today she went a step further, taking a risk. I'm really putting her trust in God. And we know that Boaz walked by God's word. His kindness is reflected by God's kindness to us. And further along the line, not wanting to steal next week's glory, but we know that Jesus walked by God's word. And we know that Boaz is some kind of small Jesus. He's the redeemer. He's the one that will buy Ruth and Naomi back. Remember Jesus on the way to the cross. Yeah, not my will, but yours be done. He walked underneath the word of God. And he walked to buy us back at huge cost. Great cost welcomes me back. And so level three... So what for me, as we close? So what for me? Will I walk by God's word this week? Will you try? There's no doubt you will fail. But will you try, read and trust? Will you plan in obedience? 
All your plans, the small decisions, the big decisions, will you, on your own, work out if they're sinful or selfish and plan in obedience? Will you take risks in obedience this week? Will you go out as a follower of Jesus? Make sure the world knows about it. And will you trust in obedience? Maybe, maybe your circumstances aren't too straightforward. Maybe hope through despair is something you've got to cling on to this week. Will you daily deny yourself? Will you daily realise that you cannot do it, but that Jesus has done it? Will you, in the words of Job 19, verse 25, as we've looked at in the past, as Job claimed, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Will you hold on to that truth? That Jesus has brought you back at great, great cost. God's brought you back at the huge cost of Jesus, His Son. Will you live this week trusting that your Redeemer lives? Will you live for Him? Make plans for Him? Take risks for Him? And trust in Him? And I wonder, just wonder, right at the end, the three bedrooms, this might be applicable for you if you're a teenager or a young one. You might find yourself in many different bedrooms. Will you trust at that moment that your Redeemer lives? And will you run? Maybe. Maybe you have to at certain times. You'll remember Ruth 3 and go, Cor, remember that random sermon about three bedrooms? Maybe at that point, when you're in a compromising position, in a bedroom, for a young person, maybe you have to remember that your Redeemer lives. And run. And trust in the Lord Jesus. I think for all of us, if we go out of this room thinking my Redeemer lives, we can imagine that this week would be a good week. A really good week.